Thank you for listening to Changed by His Word, a podcast of Pine Level Missionary Baptist Church featuring the preaching and teaching ministry of Pastor Brad Lee. We invite you to join us each Sunday at 11 a.m. for worship. For more information, visit us online at pinelevelmbc.org. And now for today's message. Mark chapter 7 is where we'll be this morning. If you will, please stand in reverence of God and the reading of His holy, inspired, and inerrant word. Mark chapter 7, we'll be looking at verses 31 through 37. The Bible says, beginning in verse 31, And he went out from the region of Tyre, and came through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee, within the region of Decapolis. They brought to him one who was deaf and spoke with difficulty, and they implored him to lay his hand on him. Jesus took him aside from the crowd by himself and put his fingers into his ears, and after spitting, he touched his tongue with the saliva. And looking up to heaven with a deep sigh, he said to him, Ephaphatha, that is, be open. And his ears were open, and the impediment of his tongue was removed, and he began speaking plainly. And he gave orders to them not to tell anyone, but the more he ordered them, the more widely they continued to proclaim it. They were utterly astonished, saying, He has done all things well. He makes even the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. You know, over the years, the means of communication have drastically changed. And when I think about this, I go back to my childhood and think about the ways we communicated back then. The primary means of communication was simply verbal communication, talking person to person. And we did much of that. But you know, today it seems like that's a lost art. Many people today would rather text than they had talk. We would communicate verbally, though, and we would use the telephone. You know the phone I'm talking about, not the mobile phone or the cellular phone, but the one that had the, the line attached to it, right? And we even used, prior to that most recent phone that we had, we used the old rotary phone. You know what I'm talking about. You show some kids a rotary phone today, and they're like, what in the world is this? But we had rotary phones, and then came the touchtone phone. And we were able to use the modern technology and, and utilize that. And that was one of the primary means of communication. But another fun way to communicate back during the day was through a CB radio. I had my little red Honda Civic hatchback. I had my CB radio mounted down beside my gear stick. I had my big antenna whipping in the wind, if you know what I'm talking about. And I'd be on that CB, breaker, breaker, one, nine. Roger, copy that. You got your ears on. You know what I'm talking about. I mean, those were fun times. Those were the good old days. But if, if you weren't communicating, if you were communicating on a CB radio, not only would you hear those call signs, you would also hear another call sign. You would perhaps hear a call sign, a 10-2. That simply meant that you had a clear, strong signal. And you may even hear the person on the other end of the line say, you're coming in loud and clear. You know, in the text before us this morning, there were no CB radios. There were no radio codes. There were no antennas. There were no automobiles. But yet, we can learn so much from the text before us because the primary means of communication back then was verbal communication. And yet, in the text that I just read, we come to the text with a, a man who is unable to communicate. He's unable to speak. His speak was not, his speech was not loud. Uh, he, he could not hear anything. He was unable to, to utter words. And you and I often take that for granted today. 
The Bible says that this man was deaf and he spoke with difficulty. I mean, I can't imagine what it must have been like for this man. I can't imagine the difficulty and the trial that he was facing. I mean, this was indeed bad news. But what I've come to learn over the years is this. Bad news does not have the final say. Amen? Bad news does not have the final say. For this man encountered a man named Jesus. And the same Jesus that he encountered back then is the same Jesus that's right here with us today. It's the same Jesus that I'm proclaiming through the glorious gospel. Jesus is the same, as I mentioned a moment ago, yesterday, today, and forever. And praise God that Jesus has the final say. This morning, in the text before us, I want to lay four truths on your heart in a message that I've simply entitled, Loud and Clear. And one of the things I was thinking about as I was preparing for this sermon is, this man had some friends. He had some friends. I mean, someone cared about him. Aren't you thankful for friends today? Amen. What in the world would we do without friends? Everybody needs a friend. And yes, we know that Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother, but I'm thankful for you, my friends. And I know that this man was thankful that day as well. If you're taking notes, I want you to notice first that his friends brought him to Jesus. They brought him to Jesus. Now keep in mind the context. They, uh, Jesus had been northwest of the Sea of Galilee in the region of Tyre. And then Jesus decides to head north about 20 miles or so to Sidon and comes back east of the Sea of Galilee into the region of the Decapolis. If you're looking at the display there, you can see uh, the region of the Decapolis. Those are the cities that are highlighted there. It's a, a total of 10 cities. And Jesus ministered in those cities. So he goes to Tyre. He heads up north about 20 miles or so to Sidon. And then he heads back around the Sea of Galilee and comes back to the region of the Decapolis. Now many things happened in that region. We know the Bible tells us that that was a Gentile territory. And Jesus, as He traveled and ministered, we take this for granted, but one scholar said that He had traveled some 120 miles or so by foot. That's a lot of walking that Jesus did. And He's ministering to the people in this Gentile territory. And the last time that Jesus was in this area, if you remember from our study through Mark, He was not well received. I mean, the people didn't want Jesus to be there. If you're taking notes, go back to Mark chapter 5, verse 17, where the Bible says the people began to implore Jesus to leave their region. In other words, they said, Jesus, we don't want you here. We don't want anything that you have to offer we want you to head back across the Sea of Galilee, back over to Capernaum, and, and hang out over there with those folks. We don't want you here in our region. Sounds a lot like today, doesn't it? There's a lot of people that today that will say, I don't need this Jesus. I mean, you take your Bible and your Jesus stuff and you keep it over there. Or you keep it contained within the church. And a lot of us want to do that, don't we? But you know what we need to do as believers? We need to take the glorious gospel out of these four walls, out into the community, and proclaim the good news of Jesus. They said, we don't want you here, Jesus. But there was a man in that region that wanted Jesus there. If you'll remember in Mark chapter 5, the man's name was Legion. His name was not only Legion, he was occupied, his body was, by a legion of demons, some 6,000 demons. 
And Jesus came on the scene. Jesus cast the demon out of this man. And Jesus gave this man instructions. Listen to the instructions. First of all, the man said, Jesus, I want to go with you wherever you're going. Let me get into the boat. And Jesus said, nope, you can't get into the boat. Why is that the case? Because Jesus said to him these words, go to your home, to your people, report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Did you know that God has shown us mercy today? He's shown us grace. Grace is getting what you do not deserve. If we say yes to Jesus, not only do we get life now, we get the promise of eternity in heaven with Him. He's shown us grace. He's also shown us mercy. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. If I got what I deserve, listen to me, I'd split hell wide open. Why? That's what I deserve. You say, oh, pastor, but I'm a good person. Well, the Bible says that your works is like filthy rags. The Bible says that there's none good, no, not one. That we've all gone astray, that we've all turned to our wicked ways. God has shown us grace and mercy. And this man, Legion, he did exactly what Jesus told him to do. The Bible says that he went away. He began to proclaim in the Decapolis, the region of the ten cities that you see there, all the great things that Jesus had done for him. And you know what the people said? Get away from here. We don't want nothing to do with you or Jesus. No, what does the Bible say? Everyone was amazed at what they heard. Hey, what if we had that mindset? What if we went out into the, into the community and we had the mindset that when we tell people about the good news of the gospel, that they're going to be amazed? Why is it that we all of a sudden assume that they're going to shut the door in our face? Why is it that we all of a sudden assume that they're going to turn a deaf ear? Why don't we approach it from, from the perspective of the man legion and go out and proclaim the good news? And when people are amazed, we say, well, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. That's the attitude we need to have. So there, there's no telling how many people this man told about Jesus. I mean, he was proclaiming the good news. And, and, and I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but this world we're living in is crazy. You with me? We need good news in the world today. The good news is the gospel. The good news is the fact that the gospel does not change. The good news is the fact that the gospel is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, for the Jew first, listen to this, and for the Greek or the Gentile. Where is Jesus ministering right now? He's in Gentile territory. He's ministering to those people that if the Pharisees and the Sadducees had been there, they would have blessed Him out. And said, what in the world are you doing? He was ministering to the people that, need, that needed ministering to. And he had these friends. These friends this man did. And these friends brought this man to Jesus. The one that was deaf. The one that spoke with difficulty. I mean, this reminds me, I've mentioned this before, of Andrew. He was known for bringing people to Jesus. I mean, that's a good legacy to have, isn't it? Hey, you remember Brad over there? He was bringing people to Jesus. Or, 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 or Brian over there, he, he was bringing people to Jesus. I mean, that's a good legacy. I mean, I think this morning about the people that have brought me to Jesus. Think about the people in your life right now that have had an influence in your life, 
that, ha that have had an influence in your spiritual maturity, your spiritual growth, those folks that you can look at and say, you know, Miss Charlotte, Miss Marie, Pastor Troy, Preacher Timmy, Pastor Steve, these are individuals that brought me to Jesus, that told me about Jesus, that poured into me, that loved on me, that encouraged me. These are my friends. This man had friends, and his friends did perhaps the most important thing that a friend can do, and that is to bring somebody to Jesus. So first and foremost, they brought him to Jesus. But notice, secondly, they begged Jesus. They begged Jesus. Look at verse 32. Verse 32 says that they implored him, laying his hand on them. Implore means to beg. It means to entreat. Uh, it comes with it a sense of urgency. I mean, it was an urgent situation. This man had a great need. And we've seen this time and time again as we've moved through Mark's Gospel. Remember the account of the Syrophoenician woman? She had a daughter that was demon-possessed. She needed help, and she needed help immediately. It goes back to the very beginning of Mark's Gospel, the word euthus in the Greek, immediately. It's used some 40 times Throughout Mark's gospel, throughout this fast-paced gospel, immediately he needed help. Immediately he needed someone to intervene. So not only in this country, not only in this state, not only in our community, right here in our church, there's a lot of folks in this area that are hurting. There's a lot of folks that are hurting. A lot of folks that are going through difficult times. There's a lot of folks that are, are sick. There's a lot of folks that have suffered grief and heartache and pain. Not just this past week, but in recent weeks. We've seen this time and time again. And the same was true here. And it's during times like this, where these folks implored Jesus, it's during times like this that you and I must likewise do the same. Did you know it's okay to beg Jesus? That it's okay to do that? I mean, we find that happening right here. We see implored numerous times throughout Mark's Gospel. They brought Him to Jesus, and they begged Jesus with this sense of urgency, Jesus, if you can just intervene, if you can just do something, then we would be grateful. So they brought Him to Jesus. They begged Jesus. But notice thirdly this morning, I love this part. This is good news. Jesus intervenes. Jesus intervenes. He took the man aside, away from the crowd. He puts his fingers into his ears. After spitting on his fingers, he touches the man's tongue. Now hold on right there. I know exactly what some of y'all are thinking. Y'all are thinking Jesus gave this man a wet willy. That's what y'all are thinking. I mean, y'all have done that before, right? You lick your fingers and stick them in your friend's ears and wiggle them around. No, Jesus didn't do that. He didn't give the man a wet willy. No, what we're talking about here is serious. I mean, this was serious business. This man needed help, and praise God, Jesus intervened. Jesus took his fingers, stuck them in his ears, wet his hands, touched his tongue. Jesus looks up to heaven. He sighs. And he says to this man, be open. Be open. What? 
his ears and his tongue. Be open. Just like that. Jesus performed a miracle in this man's life. Praise God, right there, in the presence of this man, this man went from being able to, to not hear, to hearing, to not being able to speak, to speaking clearly. And praise God, not only did this man, but those that were around that day, they witnessed firsthand a miracle. Now there's folks today that are saying, well, I'm waiting for God to perform a miracle. I want to see a miracle. Look in the mirror. Amen? Look in the mirror. God's performed a miracle in your life and my life. And even today, God is still performing miracles. Now listen carefully to me for just a moment. Jesus intervened. And when we pray and ask Jesus to intervene, if Jesus doesn't intervene the way that we desire for Him to intervene, we tend to think that He did not intervene. But that's simply not the case. It's not. And follow me here, if you will, for a moment. When it comes to physical sickness, I don't know about you, but I want physical healing. Amen? You know, if my big toe's hurting... I want my big toe not to hurt. Amen? And whatever it may be, whatever my symptoms may be, if I've got symptoms, I don't want to be sick. I want to be physically well. But Jesus, as He intervened back then, He still intervenes today. Listen to me. God doesn't perform miracles for the sake of performing miracles. I want you to think about the context and the people that have been following Jesus. There is a multitude of people following Jesus. Are they following Jesus because they want to follow Him and trust Him as Lord? Absolutely not. They're following Jesus because they think it's the Ringland Brothers Barnum and Bailey Circus. They think it's Harry Houdini. They're following Jesus because they want to see Him perform another miracle. And they see miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle and they walk away with a heart of unbelief. The miracle has done nothing to change their lives. As one writer explained so well, God works miracles, works through miracles to reveal His glory to confirm His message, to convey His purposes and truths to those who see Him. Here's the key, with eyes of faith. With eyes of faith. He performs the miracles so that they may recognize Him for who He is. Write this verse down, Mark chapter 2, verse 10. He performs miracles so that they may know that the Son of Man has authority. That's why Jesus performed the miracles. So from cover to cover, the Bible is filled with miracles. We can go all the way back to Genesis and walk through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation and you see miracle after miracle after miracle. And those miracles were performed that the glory of God may be made evident. That the glory of God may be seen. 
So there's miracles over nature, miracles over healing, miracles over the demonic forces, miracles of provision, miracles of resurrection. And one writer says this, and I quote, There's another miracle that we must include in the list of the greatest miracles of the Bible. It's a miracle that happens every day as God takes a rebellious sinner, forgives his sin, grants him life, lavishes him with grace, adopts him as a child, and seals him for eternity. All because of the death and resurrection of Christ. Praise the Lord for the miracle of salvation. End of quote. That's good stuff, amen? Yes, we all want a physical miracle. But even when God doesn't intervene the way that we think He should intervene, He still performs miracles. And He's created you and me for so much more. He's not created us necessarily to go out and perform miracles, but He's created us as the miracle, you hear me? As the miracle to go out and proclaim His goodness to other people. To tell others what God has done for us and what God can do for them. And you say, Pastor, well, why are you so passionate about this good news? You speak about the good news every single week. And there's a, a reason for that. Because we've got to understand, first and foremost, the bad news. So many people like to sweep the bad news under the rug. We like to, to sugarcoat this or, or step over this. But the bad news is that we've all sinned against the holy, righteous God. And as believers, we've got to remind ourselves of that every single day. We've sinned against God, and the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Physical death and eternal separation from God. Romans 5, 8 says, But God demonstrated His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, listen to this, Christ died for us. That's good news. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Yes, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So when we understand the bad news... We understand how that bad news can be changed and become good news when we exercise our faith and put our faith not in person, but in Jesus. That's why the Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. So when you hear the gospel, turn from your sins and you trust Jesus, the greatest miracle takes place. That's the greatest miracle. The miracle of salvation. It's God's salvation. A number of years ago, my father-in-law, who's a songwriter and plays the piano and played gospel music for many, many years, he penned a song entitled, The Greatest Gift. I want you to listen carefully to these words. And I quote, The song says, Oh, what a miracle. It's wonderful that God above would send His precious Son, this gift of love, to take away my sin. Oh, the greatest thing in all your life you will ever do is when you let the miracle of Christ be born in you. So won't you let the miracle of Christ be born in you? End of quote. The greatest gift is the gift of God's salvation. These friends brought him to Jesus. They begged Jesus. Jesus intervenes. Praise God. And notice fourth and finally that Jesus instructs. Jesus instructs. Look at verse 36. The Bible says in verse 36, And he, that is Jesus, 
gave them orders not to tell anyone, but the more he ordered them, the more widely they continued to proclaim it. They were utterly astonished, saying, He has done all things well. He makes even the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. So Jesus gave them orders, and we, we once again come back to this issue of authority. I mentioned that a moment ago from Mark chapter 2. Jesus is a man of authority. He's been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And much like sin, authority today has become a dirty word. If you don't believe authority is an issue in this world, you turn the television set on. Everywhere, in every community, in every state, in every area of this country, people are rebelling against authority. You know why? Because nobody wants to be told what to do. I can do what I want, when I want, how I want. I'm an American. Freedom. You're still placed under authority. You've got the law. Amen? People are rebelling against the law. Speaking of the subject, uh, on the subject of authority, listen to what Dr. Adrian Rogers once said. I love this. And I quote, he said, A police officer weighing 160 pounds may effectively stand in front of a tanker truck with an uplifted hand and say, Stop! In the name of the law. Now what does he stop the truck with? His own power? No. Authority. The police officer certainly couldn't stop any vehicle with his physical force. He is appealing to an authority greater than himself. The law to back him up. End of quote. Man, imagine how different our country would be right now if we respected authority. Authority. And you've got to recognize this morning, I don't care who you are, I don't care what position you hold, you have people who you may have authority over, but someone has authority over you. I don't care who you are. If you're not Jesus, that applies to you. I think about the Roman centurion. The Roman centurion, he had a hundred or more soldiers over him. He could say to those soldiers, Hey, buddy, give me 25 push-ups. Hey, you do this or you do that. And he spoke with authority and they did exactly what he told them to do. Why? Because he was a man of authority. He thought about Jesus. He had one of his servants that was sick. And he said, oh Jesus, if you would just say the word. Don't even come. You don't have to be here in his presence. Just speak the word. And my servant will be healed. He recognized Jesus as having authority over him. Amen. Now listen to this. Don't miss this. Dr. Rogers goes on to say, and I quote, he says, you cannot be over those things that God wants you to be over until you learn to be under those things that God has set over you. The principle of authority in our lives. Americans hate authority. When you are willing to be to Jesus, 
what Jesus was in his humanity to the Father, then Jesus will be to your humanity what the Father was to him. End of quote. Wow. It goes back to the issue of authority. Many during this day looked at Jesus and they did not recognize him as a man of authority. Now don't miss this. Jesus has not just some authority, but as I mentioned a moment ago, he has all authority in heaven and on earth. And when Jesus gives a command, you and I had better listen. Amen? I mean, if the Word of God says something one time, we better listen. But if it says something multiple times, you and I need to listen and obey. And here Jesus once again gives a command, a strong command. And listen to what the command is. Jesus tells them, He orders them, don't tell anyone about what happened. That sounds weird, doesn't it? I mean, when I first read that, I was, I was thinking, man, this is weird. I thought we as believers are to go proclaim the gospel and to tell others the good news. Yet Jesus here says, don't say anything. It'd be like somebody today coming to salvation. I put my trust and faith in Jesus. And the preacher tells him, hey, don't, don't go tell anybody what Jesus has done for you. Shh. Don't let anybody know. That sounds crazy. But again, there was a purpose for why Jesus gave these instructions. Again, the multitudes were flocking to him for all the wrong reasons, and many simply wanted a healing touch. Many simply wanted physical healing, to be made well and to go about living life the way they've always lived it. That's not the gospel. That's not, what Je- that's not why Jesus performed miracles. Jesus came to restore people, not just physically, but he came to restore people spiritually. And along those same lines, we've got to keep in mind that our disobedience hinders the work of God. It prevents the gospel from going forward. So they brought him to Jesus. They begged Jesus. Jesus intervenes, and then Jesus instructs. Now this man, who once heard nothing, is now able to hear. The man who once spoke with difficulty is now speaking very plainly. He could hear loud and clear. He was able to speak loud and clear. The communication, if it were on the CB radio, it would have been a 10 to your You're coming in loud and clear. It's a clear and strong signal. This morning, the gospel has been proclaimed 10-2, loud and clear. And the question that you and I have to ask ourselves is what am I going to do with what I've heard? How am I going to respond this morning? Did you know it's possible for the gospel to fall on deaf ears? For the gospel to go forward and it just bounce right off? The Bible says the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing But to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. The seed of the gospel has fallen on receptive ears. Maybe you're here this morning or you're watching online and the gospel is coming in loud and clear and you say, yes, I get it, Pastor. I understand. My eyes have been opened. My ears have been opened. Most importantly, my heart has been opened. And today's the day that I say yes to Jesus. You've been listening to Changed by His Word, 
the preaching and teaching ministry of Pastor Brad Lee. We hope that you have been encouraged and challenged by this message. If you have any questions about the message or about your relationship with Jesus Christ, please contact Pastor Brad at changedbyhisword at gmail.com. Thank you and God bless.